Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we're off another episode of In Defense of the Big 12 on the Landry Football Podcast Network. Tyler McComas and Brad Kellner joining you for the next hour. Talking everything happening inside the Big 12 Conference. I'm in Norman, Oklahoma right now. BK is in Dallas, Texas. He is actually on vacation this week from his radio show. I can see his uh, web stream right now, and there's not empty beer cans littered in the background. <laughs> Got to say, I'm a, I'm a little surprised that's not the case today, man. Come on, man. It's 10 a.m. It's 10 a.m. We're not started just yet. Once this thing ends around 11 is when the uh, the drinking will commence, but Staying at a buddy's place, trying to keep it relatively clean. If I was at my spot in Austin, it would look a lot worse. But uh, we're trying to be respectful. We're trying to be nice and trying to take care of the people well enough to to not start drinking until uh, my work for the day is done. <laughs> Understandable. I'm I'm really hoping that when the Big 12 met to make the schedule, they started drinking at 10 a.m., because really they didn't get a whole lot accomplished. It's like, all right, we're doing a nine-game conference schedule plus one. When does it start? We don't know. Are you going to change the schedule? We don't know. Who's everybody going to play in their non-conference game? We don't know. Basically, they just made the announcement that we already heard was going to happen, and now that was that's basically about it. So we're in a weird way, Brad. We're left with more questions and answers about this Big 12 schedule. Yeah, you see why the conference canceled media days on Monday, right? The virtual media days, because they don't have answers to any of the questions that we have. On our show on Monday, we talked about it. That was the speculation. Those were the rumors that the Big 12 would go with the plus one, right? The nine conference games plus the one non-conference game. There were other ideas that were thrown around, maybe doing conference only, maybe playing the same team in your conference twice, Uh, Maybe adding BYU to the mix. Hell, some people thought there was a chance the Big 12 would still try to go with a full 12-game schedule in some form or fashion. But they do what just about everybody else is doing, and it makes sense, right, to get to 10 games, trying to have a uniform or as close to a uniform number of college football games across the Power Five as you possibly can. We know the Big 10, the SEC, the Pac-12 are all playing 10 games. The ACC playing one more with 11 but you had to get to twelve games or to ten games. At least you felt like you had to get to ten games uh, if you're the Big Twelve. So the announcement doesn't surprise anybody. But you're you're absolutely right, Tyler. I mean, still no announcement on when the season's going to start. Uh, still no official word on when the conference championship game is going to be. We still don't know who and where and when the non-conference games are going to be. So still a lot to, a lot of work left to be done and. 
Big 12 is kind of doing what it's done throughout this thing, just kicking the can down the road a little bit further and further. Yeah, which I guess I have a hard time understanding because the SEC actually had to alter their conference schedule to make things work, right? Same with the Big 10, same with the ACC, same with the Pac-12. The Big 12 is the only conference that didn't. All they all they have to do is say, okay, we're leaving the conference schedule as is, the, the exact same way. I think, what does Texas open up with K-State this year? Uh, mm-hmm. OU opens up with Baylor. It's like your 10-game schedule that we had already released that's staying the same. You're just going to play one non-conference game. So they're the only they're the only conference that didn't have to alter their conference schedule. So I don't. I guess I don't know like what the giant delay is on releasing what things are going to look like. I guess at this point we should only be worrying about what the start date is, but yeah. we're worried about everything with the schedule right now. Yeah, you know there there was one Big Twelve conference game that. That was scheduled to start before the rest of them. And that was Baylor and Kansas. I don't know why this is the case, but KU and Baylor were supposed to play each other week two. So the week that Texas was playing LSU, uh, the week that uh, I think OU was going to play Tennessee, there was a lot of non-conference games. Everybody else, the other eight teams were playing non-conference games. And for some reason, Kansas and Baylor were playing week two on September 12th. So that's like the one game that I think would have to be moved uh, if, in fact, they are pushing back the start date for the Big 12, which seems to be the rumors. And I saw from Chip Brown, who covers uh, Texas down in Austin, he's hearing that September 26th is going to be the start date, right? It's kind of been speculated September 19th, September 26th. Seems like the Big 12, at least according to him, nothing official yet, is uh, is leaning towards September 26th. So you'd obviously have to push back conference games at least a little bit because I think the majority – of, uh, of Big 12 teams were going to start around the 19th or the 26th. So we'll see what happens. Um, obviously, a lot of work left to be done, but you're right. I mean, outside of that one Kansas and Baylor game, it, it seems like there wasn't a ton of work that needed to be done in terms of just announcing some sort of schedule for the conference-only games. Obviously, though, the question now becomes, Tyler, you know, outside of when the games will start in the conference and when the Big 12 championship game will be, uh, what about the non-conference games, right? I mean, we've talked about it a lot. OU and Kansas got waivers from the NCAA to move their first games up to August 29th. That's 23 days from now, which is crazy to think that we could have college football played in like three and a half weeks. That's bizarre, but awesome at the same time. But are those going to stay? Like, are OU and Kansas going to play on August 29th? And then no. well, their first yeah. Big 12 game isn't going to be until September 26th. And what about the other eight teams in the league, right? When are they going to play and who are they going to play? OU wants to play their non-conference game against Missouri State. I think that's who it's going to be. Two weeks before they kick things off. So I'm just looking at this Chip Brown report. I didn't see it from 247. He says Texas wants to start their season on September 12th against UTEP and have an off week on the September 19th and then have, you know, two weeks, whatever, before they play their first league game. I think that's exactly what OU will do. I think that they're going to play September 12th against Missouri State. The only problem is on September 12th, Missouri State has a game against Montana. So Missouri Hmm. State's essentially going to have to decide, would you rather come to Oklahoma and get a giant paycheck or would you rather play Montana and if for some reason Missouri State decides that Montana is the better matchup for them because maybe they actually have a chance to win that game, I don't know, then OU is going to have to find a new uh, non-conference partner to play. But I, I would imagine that if Chip Brown is right, 
and September 26th is the day that the league is going to start, which really wouldn't be all that surprising to me. I think just about everybody in the conference is going to play September 12th, which would be, yep. what, a week after the Big Ten gets started. Sounds like the Big Ten's going to be the – they're going to have their own weekend right there on September 5th. They're going to be playing yeah. all alone. Yeah, and, uh, well, they're starting on Thursday, I'm pretty sure. So it's yeah, Ohio September State and Illinois. Yep. Yeah, they'll have Thursday, Friday, and Saturday that weekend. But, yeah, that makes sense. That makes the most sense. Try to keep it as uniform as possible around the league. And a month off would almost be too much time, right? I mean, for yeah. Oklahoma and Kansas, you, you play one game and then you wait a month before you play your other games. You know, that's more time just in case something happens with COVID-19. There's some sort of outbreak within the team. But uh, it just feels like if, if everything goes right uh, for that first game, and then you're waiting three and a half to four weeks to play your second game. That felt like too much time. So that makes sense. Nothing official from the league. But if that does happen – and the Big 12 finds a way to play all of its non-conference games on that Saturday, September 12th. You give two weeks uh, in between that and then the first conference game, which once again, Chip says in that report, September 26th seems to be the target date uh, right now for the Big 12. That makes the most sense right there. That keeps it as uniform as possible, and hopefully that allows us to, to have this 10-game season. So when the Big 10 schedule was released yesterday, everybody was making a big deal about Ohio State and Michigan not being the last game of the year. Hey, and hey, I get it. I mean, college football is as rooted in tradition as any other sport that th that's out there. I understand. But if we start on September 26th for Big 12 play, that means OU Texas is not the second weekend in October. It would actually be the first weekend in October. And maybe I'm reading this situation totally wrong. And even though OU and Texas, much like Ohio State and Michigan, very much rooted in tradition – I don't feel like it would be all that big of a deal if OU and Texas don't play on the second weekend of October. I don't think that their either fan base would be all too upset if it was moved up a week or moved back a week or moved back a couple weeks, whatever. I, I think the rooted in tradition part is about the venue, not yeah. when actually that, that football game is played. I think people will be all right. Now, I got to ask you as an Oklahoma guy, because you dealt with this a couple of years ago, right? I mean, the Big 12 moved Bedlam. Used to be the last game of the year, and the conference was worried about, okay, well, since we're going to have a conference championship game that guarantees a rematch, we're worried about OU and Oklahoma State maybe playing twice in back-to-back -back weeks. So they've moved Bedlam a little bit. What was the reaction? What was your reaction uh, and the reaction amongst folks up there on both sides when that move was made? Nobody cared at all. <laughs> I mean, seriously. And like traditionally, it was OU Nebraska that was played forever on that Thanksgiving weekend. And Oklahoma State was played a week before, a couple weeks before, whatever. So, yeah, I mean, Oklahoma State throughout the course of history just hasn't had its certain place on the schedule where it's like, oh, this is, this is Bedlam weekend right here. I mean, not really. It's kind of moved – uh, kind of all over the schedule over the past several years. So I don't think, yeah, I, I don't think it really matters where Bedlam's played. It's in the middle of the season this year, and I think that that's pretty much the same to everybody. Maybe it means more to Oklahoma State to have that game on the last week of the regular season. I, I, I would probably think that that's the case, but to, to, to the average OU fan, doesn't matter where Bedlam's being played, to be honest. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, in terms of Texas OU, I mean, I, I think it'll be okay. I don't think people will lose their mind or care too much. And you know, I just popped a question on our on our screen, Tyler. Are you seeing this? I didn't know I was capable of this type of power. Nice. We've got a, we've got a listener question, which we appreciate, by the way, if you're watching this, if you're live streaming right now on Twitch. Thank you, number one. 
But uh, leave any comments, any questions you have about the Big 12. We are uh, we are here for you on this podcast uh, in defense of the Big 12. He's Tyler McComas. I'm BK Brad Kellner. Uh, real quick, though, before we get to this question, I'm with you, Tyler. I, I, I think people will be okay if the game's moved a week. Uh, the venue does matter more. Some people are talking about maybe playing the game at Jerry World. There's obviously been home-and-home home talks. We know the State Fair of Texas is closed this year, so – if it is at the Cotton Bowl, probably it will be played in front of no fans. Uh, man, it's it's the pandemic. Like, we'll be all right, right? As long as this game is played, as long as they find somewhere to play, Texas OU or OU Texas, whatever you want to call it, I think uh, I think people should be okay. Now, will they be? Uh, people complain about everything these days, so probably not. But for me, just find a way to play the game. I don't care where it is. Make it happen. Yeah, right, I want to. So, I want to. Oh, go yeah, go ahead. Get to that question, and then I'll I'll get to to my next question about attendance because it's a fascinating okay. one, I think. For sure. So this is from Bruce. Bruce, appreciate the love. Uh, I think I'll be able to take this off the screen when I'm done reading it, but otherwise, this might just be a part of us forever. Tyler, <laughs> uh, does this weird season give Tom Herman a longer leash if Texas fails to win the Big Twelve than if he would have in a conventional season that ends with two or three losses? Um, good question. I'll leave it up while I answer it. Yeah, I think so. Look, regardless of pandemic, I think Tom Herman's leash was relatively long going into 2020. Like Texas would have had to have gone five and seven or six and six. I'm not even sure six and six would have been enough to fire Tom Herman after this year. Now, a ton of Longhorn fans would be calling for his head and I probably would be too. But I still think just the money, once again, regardless of the pandemic and how much longer he has on this contract, I still think he would have been given another year. Now you throw in the pandemic into the situation, obviously a shortened schedule, but also the economic ripple effect, uh, what's going on across the state of Texas and across this country. I do think Tom Herman has a little bit of a longer leash. So you know, I don't know the exact answer. I don't know if there's a magic number in terms of how many games he has to win out of 10 this year. Uh, you know, maybe if he goes four and six or three and seven, something crazy like that, maybe he could lose his job still. But uh, I think to answer your question, yes, he will be given a longer leash than he was. But I already think his leash was going to be a little bit longer than most Longhorn fans probably would have wanted anyways. Um, I'm looking at that question and I'm saying, Bruce, Two or three losses for Tom Herman in a season? They might give him a razor and extension. Has there been a year yet where he's finished with two or three losses in a year? Even the Sugar Bowl season, they lost four, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I figured, uh, you know, with 10 games, you take the LSU game off the schedule. Maybe that raises the expectations a little bit. But, you know, my thoughts, 12-game season this year, I was kind of around the eight and four mark, right? I figured Texas yeah. would beat South Florida and UTEP in the non-con, maybe lose that LSU game, although I felt like Texas had a damn good chance considering everything that LSU had lost and considering the chances that maybe that game would be played in front of a not full house at Death Valley this year. But yeah, in the conference, I mean, look, Texas is going to be favored in – eight, maybe nine games this year, right? Yeah. And they're going to be the underdog to Oklahoma unless OU somehow starts off horribly. Uh, and then Oklahoma State is the other game that Texas might be the underdog in. That game is the last week of the season, though. So if OSU is struggling and Texas has things rolling, then the Longhorns could be favored even though that game is in Stillwater this year. So you're right, though, Tyler. 10-4 and four is the best year that Tom Herman has had, even when they won the Sugar Bowl. They did lose – uh, they did lose four games. I guess technically in the regular season, they had lost three because the fourth loss came in the Big 12 title game to Oklahoma. 
But uh, yeah, no, I think uh, I think eight and two. If you're a Texas fan, that you you'd have to take that. And you know, for me, it's anything short of a of at least getting to the Big Twelve championship game should be deemed a failure. And for me, the expectation probably every year should be to win the Big Twelve. But with all that Texas has coming back, and considering how much Tom Herman has talked about this year being the year that Texas really takes that step, uh, I think winning the Big Twelve uh, should be should be the expectation or at least the goal for this football team this year. Yeah, we appreciate that question, Bruce. And uh, I don't know. Oh, nice. Look at you. There man. it is. God, you Got are it. a wizard with this thing. I swear. Oh, crazy, man. Man. No, what I was going to ask, though, is because I see this report that like Tech wants to go to, what was it, 25% capacity. And it sounds like Texas wants to get at that same number. Okay. So let's just say that Texas has 25% capacity at their home games. And let's say Oklahoma follows. They have 20 to 25% as well. So if they're allowed to have a quarter of the stadium full for their home games, are either team allowed to bring fans to the Cotton Bowl this year? I know you don't have an answer to that. Nobody has an answer to that. I'm just wondering how that would still work. If it's okay to have fans in Austin and Norman, would it be okay to have fans in Dallas? I don't know whose decision that is, right? Like Oklahoma's the home team for that game this year. So is it OU's decision? Do they get to choose? Uh, do they get to bring only their fans to the game? Could it be 50-50 with 25% total at uh, the Cotton Bowl this year? I don't know. My guess would be it's the Cotton Bowl's decision. Uh, I don't know who makes that decision, whether it's somebody in politics in Dallas or whoever runs the Cotton Bowl or the State Fair. My guess is it's their call on uh, how many fans could be in the stands. But that's a fascinating question. I, I would love to find a way to be a part of that game uh, if there were some fans in the stands this year. But, yeah, that's uh, that's a huge question. And you're seeing the four Big 12 teams in the state of Texas sort of talking about 25% capacity. Even though Governor Abbott, his statewide mandate is 50%, uh, you're hearing Texas, you're hearing Texas Tech, you're hearing Baylor, I think most recently, also TCU kind of hinting towards doing 25%. So maybe – because it's Dallas and it's in the state of Texas, they might go 25% as well. But yeah, nobody nobody knows the answer to that question, and we didn't get a whole lot of clarification from this league on Monday, unfortunately. I like how A&M is just hell-bent on pursuing that 50% number, which I, I, I find that interesting because when – they do the saw them off when they, you know, start swaying and whatever. Like, okay, well, obviously that's not a six foot distance. And they start singing their <laughs> University of Texas obsessed fight song. It's what, what what's going to happen at A and M this year? You just they're going to have fifty percent capacity, but you can't sway and hold your arms together. Like, I, I mean, how do you how do you police that? Well, it doesn't mean as much in the Big Twelve, Tyler. We know that. So true, man they have to have more fans than we do. That's just what the SEC does over there. Yeah, it's interesting. I guess you're going to be able to sit with the people you came in with, right? Like even if it's 25%, if you come in with a group of four people, like your family, a a dad, a mom, and two kids, they're all going to be sitting together. They don't have to be six feet apart. So maybe at Aggieland, uh, just it'll be a bunch of like small groups of people swaying back and forth with a whole bunch of bleacher space in between that might be uh that might be the plan down there and we'll see if that changes for AM. I mean once again the statewide mandate is 50 percent, so i i guess technically they can keep it at 50 percent. a lot of people are, are going to disagree with that like for me it, it just seems very difficult even 25 percent, right uh, we're talking about nearly twenty thousand people 
uh, at DKR. Like even that is, it seems like a high number. It seems like it's going to be difficult to enforce social distancing, not in the stands. I think in the stands, you're going to be fine. You can find a way to leave enough seats, enough space in between groups of people when they're actually in the stands, but on the concourses, getting to the game, right? Walking in and out of the stadium, uh, lines for bathrooms, like stuff like that is going to be very, very difficult to enforce with 25%. And now you double that up and go to 50. Uh, that, uh, you know, I, I don't know how you're going to possibly enforce that as well as you probably should. So that's the plan as of right now, though, for AM. We'll see if uh, we'll see if anything changes. Yeah, but okay, let's see. I have a random stranger to the right of me, six feet away. I got a random stranger to the left of me, six feet away as well. And somebody, my favorite team, throws a go-ahead touchdown pass with 20 seconds left. Guess guess what yeah. I'm going to do? Oh, my God. I'm getting in that guy's face, and we're high-fiving each other from like, from, like, both sides, right? I mean, so I just well, – I mean, whatever. Like, I, I, do, I mean, whatever. But, yeah, these social distancing rules, even if you do 20 to 25% situations like that, um, it's, it's going to get broken. I mean, come on. Yeah. Who, who has yeah, you're it? You're gonna have to try to avoid it, right? You're gonna fight the urge. Yeah, who 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 has it? Um, High fived or grown or uh, hugged a grown man, random stranger in yeah. the stands after a big play or a big win? And the pandemic uh, isn't gonna stop that, that man. Man, it, it's I, I guess it's gonna have to, right? I guess it's going to have to because they're not testing the fans when they go into these games this year. So you're gonna have to do your best to fight the urge. And there's going to be some some high fives left hanging, you know. You're going to have oh. one guy going after the high five, and the other party is going to be like, "I'm sorry, man, I can't, I can't do it." And then you just feel like a jerk, but you're also might be saving somebody's life. So uh, that's the way it is, man. It's crazy. And then for the Big Twelve, while we're on the the capacity subject, Tyler, I think as of right now, now make all the jokes you want, and I'm sure people are are laughing when I say this. Uh, but as of right now, I'm pretty sure the plan is for Kansas to go 50% in this league. Wow. Um, I don't know the last time they've come close to filling up 50% of Memorial Stadium in Lawrence, so I'll make one of the jokes for you. But at least that's the plan for them as of now. I think Iowa State's kind of in the same boat, too, uh, leaning towards 50%. Now, those stadiums are smaller than DKR, for sure. Um, so it's it's going to end up being – a little bit more people than what Austin will have, but not as many as if Texas was doing 50% or if Oklahoma was doing 50%. But there are a couple of teams in this league uh, that at least as of right now are aiming for that 50% capacity number. So that's uh, that's going to be interesting to watch, and that'll put your high-five slash hugging grown man to grown man theory to the test. I was surprised to see today, just before we came on, that Penn State is having no fans at their games. No fans, yeah. Wow, at Beaver Stadium, seriously? That's that's a little bit of a shocker. It seats over 100,000 people. Even if they went 20%, whatever, they could pack in a lot of fans in there. But it may look like Ohio State and Penn State, the premier teams in the Big Ten this year, may not have any fans at all. It's bizarre. I mean, it's hard to criticize these decisions, right, because they're in the best interest of, peeping, of keeping people safe. But, yeah, no, watching, I mean, watching sports without fans is crazy. Like the mm-hmm. NBA and the NHL – it looks okay. You can get by. And I think the NBA is doing a great job in their bubble, like putting those video screens with all the fans and the, and they're not making like, you can't see the stands. And I guess there are no stands in the bubble in Orlando. So it doesn't look that awkward with no fans in attendance, but major league baseball, 
Like as of now, of the sports that are playing right now, that's they've got the biggest stadiums, right? The biggest capacities mm-hmm. uh, at their ballparks. Like that's that looks so weird to me, man. That's bizarre. Like I know there's cardboard cutouts at some places, but like if there's a foul ball and, and the camera pans out and it's a wide shot and they show just the entire stands with nobody there, uh, that's bizarre. Football stadiums, especially places like Beaver Stadium, uh, the Shoe in Columbus, like they hold twice of what baseball stadiums hold. So it's going to look unbelievably crazy, those wide shots with nobody in the stands. That's that's going to be weird. Uh, I don't know if they're going to go virtual crowd noise up there, right, when Penn State's on defense. Is there going to be some sort of just loud humming and cheering going on in the background? It's uh, it's going to be weird. Like, it's weird for baseball. Basketball and hockey are doing a pretty good job. Man, if we get to football with just nobody, I mean, 25% is going to be weird. But if there's just nobody at ninety to 100,000-seat stadiums, that's going to be next-level bizarre. By the way, to hit a little bit of uh, recruiting within the conference, Texas did get an offensive line commitment. Is this like a Brockermeyer cousin or something like that? Not, maybe not as good, but a three-star cousin that they got their hands on here recently? Yeah, not uh, not a Brockermeyer cousin. Michael Mislinski is the name of this young man. He's from the state of Florida. Three-star kid um, from Florida. Guy who had offers from Florida State, Michigan State, Oregon. I think those were his three biggest offers outside of Texas. Kind of seemed to be a Texas-Michigan State battle over the last coming days and weeks, but uh, committed to Texas earlier this morning. The Longhorns have the top-ranked class right now, barely ahead of Oklahoma uh, in the Big 12 for the class of 2021. Look, this is going to sound like sour grapes here. We talked about the Brockermeyers a couple weeks ago. Those, those are huge misses for Texas, especially Tommy, right? A top five to ten player in the country, according to every recruiting website. A bona fide five-star uh, future Sunday player, the best offensive tackle in this class. That's a tough loss for a number of reasons from the state of Texas. Obviously, the kinfolk going to, and he's got a brother who plays on Texas. That's a huge loss. His brother James, a big loss to a four-star kid. Uh, but Texas has done pretty well in terms of turning three-star offensive linemen into quality players. It's weird because Texas, everybody knows how bad the Longhorns have done when it comes to developing four- and five-star, right, the blue-chip prospects, turning them into really good college players, number one, and also NFL draft picks, number two. Uh, Texas on the offensive line has done pretty well with three-star kids, and you think about their two best offensive linemen right now, Sam Cosme, who seems to be a potential top half of the first-round pick next year in the draft, and then Derek Kerstetter, who I think should have been a preseason All-Big 12 player. He's pro football focuses, highest returning graded pass-blocking offensive lineman in the entire conference. Uh, those guys were both three-star kids. And Texas has some four- and five-star guys on the offensive line that haven't really developed. So you see three-star, you're disappointed, and you shouldn't be disappointed about the Myers. and there's so much offensive line recruiting talent in the state of Texas in 2021. And right now, Texas is not doing a good job on the recruiting trail and getting some of the highest-rated players there for next year. But – once again, the Longhorns have done pretty well in 2021, or pretty well over the years in terms of turning three-star kids uh, into successful players. And also, this young man's dad, Tom Mislinski, played in the NFL as an offensive lineman for nine years. He's a strength and conditioning coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars right now in the NFL. So there's uh, some good bloodline there. Hopefully the fact that his dad played in the league and is a strength and conditioning coach means uh, that Michael will turn into a, a solid player too. 
Do you, do you think he's a better strength and conditioning coach than Mad Dog? Is Mad Dog still around at Texas? Mad What's Dog is not not still around at Texas. It's uh, Yancey McKnight who's been there since uh, Tom Herman got there. But Jeff Madden, Mad Dog, who was a part of the national championship winning staff at 05 and was a big part of Mac Brown's uh, era at Texas. I don't know. I think he's out the game. I don't think he's coaching anymore right now. I've got to double check that and make sure I'm right there. But uh, no, Mad Dog is uh, is long gone from UT, but he did some good things there, no question. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think you can recognize why it was so easy for me to recognize and remember who Mad Dog was. He's not an easy guy to uh, miss when he's uh, running out there on the field. <laughs> players. Big old, big old dude, old uh, Jeff Madden. Hey, um, by the way, Kerry yeah. Martin of West Virginia is the first player to opt out from the Big 12 from this 2020 season. I am wondering if we're going to see more guys because we've seen Rashad Bateman, Minnesota wide receiver, probably going to be a first-round guy who's opted out. Micah Parsons, one of the premier defensive players in the entire country for Penn State, has opted out. And I'm just trying to – Kind of think who in the Big 12 could opt out this year. Tylen Wallace said to the Tulsa World that that's not going to be him. He's not going to do that. Maybe Chuba Hubbard might. And, and, and if Chuba Hubbard did, it could just be because, yeah, well, I've thought about my decision. I carry the ball a ton. I've put out good film. I'm just going to, yeah, I'm going to opt out and then take my chances in the NFL. Like, even if Chuba Hubbard opts out for the right reasons, you know how much Mike Gundy's going to get blamed mm. for allegedly pushing Chuba Hubbard out of Stillwater? Hey, that could be a part of Hubbard's decision, right? Maybe he doesn't trust Coach Gundy as much as he did in the past couple of years, and maybe that will factor into that decision. I, I don't think Chuba's going to opt out. Uh, Tylen Wallace, I mean, those decisions make sense, right? Because those guys could have gone to the NFL last year and been relatively high draft picks. Even coming off an injury, I still think Tylen Wallace would have been a top three-round pick, and I feel the same way about Chuba Hubbard, the guy who led college football in rushing last year. So for those guys who, like, passed up NFL money and passed up the NFL for one extra year to come back to college, I, I don't want to say it'd be silly for them to opt out. There's a damn pandemic going on. If they're trying to stay safe and stay healthy and preserve their long-term future, you can't call that a silly decision. But – to me, it wouldn't make as much sense for those guys to opt out, considering they pretty much opted out of playing in the NFL this year already to stay in college, to play another year in college. So if they were to if they were to leave a guy like that or a guy like either of those two, that would surprise me a little bit. But I think an interesting trend, Tyler, uh, with some of those guys that you mentioned, especially a dude like Micah Parsons, uh, a lot of the guys who are opting out are, and we saw it with Farley, right? The cornerback at Virginia Tech. I think he was the first kind of power five player to opt out maybe a week, a week and a half ago. Those guys are like first round picks, first or mm -hmm. second round locks for next year. Like I'm yep. already surprised. And we've seen it a couple of times, right? Bosa did it in his last year at Ohio State. Uh, Leonard Fournette kind of did it in his last year at LSU. Like those guys got hurt early in the season and sort of milked their injuries. Bosa actually like announced that he is shutting things down. He's like, hey, I'm focusing on the NFL. He did that sort of midway through his last year at Ohio State. I'm glad this isn't happening because I'm not going to lie. I hate it when guys opt out of bowl games, right? Like seniors or guys who are going to the NFL are like, hey, I'm not playing in my bowl game. This doesn't mean anything to me. I'm, I'm getting ready for the NFL. I get the decision. I understand it. I don't like it. Tyler, I'm almost surprised that 
we haven't seen dudes like Micah Parsons, like guys who are for sure locks in the first round without playing another snap of college football, just say, eh, I've done enough here. I'm going to focus on getting ready for the NFL. I'm not going to risk injury. I'm not going to put more snaps on my body. I'm going to get ready for the NFL and do whatever I can to keep myself safe and protect my long-term future and look out for number one. Since I'm not getting paid in college, I don't want to risk anything here. So hopefully this isn't the start of like a trend that happens. You know, like obviously this year people understand with the pandemic, but maybe this does happen. Micah Parsons ends up being a top 10 pick. Farley goes in the first round. Bateman is a pretty high pick. And other college players could see that and say, why am I doing this? Uh, You know, like, especially if my team doesn't have a legit shot to win a national championship. Like, do I really need to go out there and play at all all this last year? Or should I focus on uh, on getting ready for the league? And I, I think this could be the start of that type of trend in college football. I think you're seeing an interesting trend with the guys that are coming out. Because notice, Justin Fields says, like, he's coming back to Ohio State. rest of his teammates have done the same. Well, Ohio State, I think, is going to win the national championship this year. Uh, No guys for Clemson have opted out just yet. A lot of people think Clemson's the favorite to win the national championship. You can use the same thing with Alabama. Like, you get the point. Like, we've seen a guy from Virginia Tech opt out. Virginia Tech, maybe they go 7-5 and this year if they played a 12-game season, but they really weren't going to compete for anything big. Same thing for Minnesota, even though they had a really good year last year, and Penn State had a chance to have a pretty good football team, but clearly they were the underdog to Ohio State. It's like the teams that really feel like they have a chance to win a national championship, you're not seeing any of those guys opt out because they see it like, okay, well, I could preserve my draft stock, I guess, but at the same time, I I can go win a national championship. And that's one of the reasons why I would tell Trevor Lawrence to come back for one year because if he wins a Heisman and he wins a national championship – He goes down, with all due respect to Deshaun Watson, as the best football player in Clemson history. I think that's worth a lot. I think that's worth a lot of money. I think that you can market that quite a bit. And to come back and have a not only a realistic chance, but a really good chance to win your second national championship and your only Heisman Trophy, I think that that's enough incentive to come back. And plus, he's going to have a massive, massive, massive insurance and policy to ensure that he's still going to get paid if something terrible happens. Yeah, but you wouldn't you wouldn't fault him if he did opt out, right? No, like, sure. I'm with yeah. you. Yeah. I'm with you. He's not going to, and that logic makes sense. And I love that. I love that guys care enough about college football because obviously you and I do uh, that that they want to stay and win a national championship for their school. Like I love that that type of stuff still matters to most of these guys. But uh, man, if if he did leave, even in a non pandemic year, it's like, all right. You would get it, right? You would have to understand it. As much as it would suck, you'd be like, okay, he's not getting paid here, and that insurance policy will be nice, no question, but it ain't going to cover what uh, being 1-1 in the NFL draft would cover. I think there's a chance Trevor Lawrence would be 1-1 without taking another snap of college football. But I'm with you. I like that. Uh, you're right. Your theory is right now. It will be something crazy. It will be a much bigger story if we see a player on a legit contending team opt out uh, opt out of this season. And I'm trying to think to go back to a question you asked earlier, like who could be the next Big 12 player uh, to opt out. And I'm trying to think if any like Big 12 player really fits the mold. I mean, I think Oklahoma is the only team in this conference that, that has, a, has a realistic shot at a national championship. I'm not picking Oklahoma. I think there's a lot of questions there, but I, they're probably going to start the year in the top five. So that, that just automatically kind of gives them a legit shot and puts them in the list of contending teams in college football. Anybody on Oklahoma that you think could uh, 
Like obviously, you know, Spencer Rattler is not going to be eligible for the draft. I, I'm trying to think of who the most like Creed Humphrey, a guy like that, but yeah, he could still he, he, improve his stock a little bit. I mean, everybody else has like so much work to do, you know, to improve yeah. their draft. But Creed Humphrey is the only guy on that team that could leave now or opt out and still have a great chance at a first round draft pick. But he's from like 45 minutes away at Shawnee, and just hearing him talk before, yeah. he just he wants to come back and play this last year at OU. Like I, not only do I feel confident about that, I feel a hundred percent about that. I would be okay. downright shocked if Creed Humphrey were to opt out this year. I just, I don't think that that's a realistic option. Maybe a, one of those good defensive talents for TCU possibly, but I don't, I don't see yeah. anybody from Oklahoma. Yeah, I'm with, I mean, I'm trying to think. So we talked about national championship contending teams. Then we talk about like first, round lock type of players. And then you think of Sam Cosme at Texas, right? The left tackle at Texas. I, I don't think he's going to opt out. There's no indications uh, that he will opt out or anything like that. But yeah, it'd have to be one of those guys who's either a legit contender uh, for a, a conference or national championship or uh, one of those potential first round picks. The safeties at TCU, that's an interesting thought. But man, we'll see. And, and you look at the NFL also, most of the guys opting out, I think they're over 60 now. Uh, players that have opted out of the National Football League season, a lot of them are offensive linemen. So I wonder if if that could carry over to the college ranks, Tyler, because, look, it's it, it's proven that obese people are responding worse to COVID-19 than non-obese people. And I know it's part of the job. It comes with the territory being a little bit bigger as an offensive lineman, but like the average human being isn't really supposed to carry on that type of weight. So I wonder if that is a trend that we may see dip down to the college game a little bit because you're looking at the NFL, the majority of those 60-plus players who have opted out are offensive and defensive linemen. So maybe that could be a position group uh, to look out for a little bit in the Big 12. Speaking of TCU, what the hell is Gary Patterson doing? And I'm not going to be one of those guys that's going to come out and say that he needs to lose his job. I think there's even a statue of him on campus. I'm not going to say, ah, they need to take down the statue there. But, I mean, have you not been paying attention to everything that's been going on in our country yeah. for the past four to five months? I don't, I don't care what context you're using it in or if you think using it in that context is okay. It's not okay. There's no good time ever to use that word especially in front of a predominantly black football team. But certainly now is is not the right, right. – it's never okay to use it, but especially now it's – what did you think was going to happen, Gary Patterson? I mean, I just yeah. wonder if he's so arrogant that he just thinks that he's above that and wasn't going to get punishment for it. I don't know, but that was a really bad look by him, man. Yeah, no doubt about that. Now, it seems like things are squared away for the most part. I mean, this was pretty rocky at the start of the week when we saw the first tweet come out from Dylan Jordan, who's a linebacker on TCU. We saw the story that you know the defense skipped practice, or at least most of the defense skipped practice on Monday, and it seemed like, uh-oh, like is something, is something really bad happening? Is Gary Patterson about to be out of a job type of situation at TCU? Uh, he's apologized. A lot of players have taken to Twitter and kind of said, hey, we're all good. We're squared away here. It's an opportunity for us to learn, an opportunity for us to grow, but we still trust this guy. We want him to be our head football coach. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, it, there's never a time to uh, – there's never a necessary time to use that word and, and just read the room a little bit, right? I mean, with yeah. what's going on in the world, 
that you talked about, considering there's already been a coach in this conference uh, just a couple hundred miles away who dealt with something relatively similar a couple of weeks ago. You think that would set some precedent, too. And also just, yeah, read the room. I mean, you talked about it. It's a majority black roster that TCU has. Uh, like, what are you what are you doing? What are you doing? Right. This is not a a hard thing to avoid, right? A situation like this. So, you know, regardless of what the context is, and I, I do think that it matters a little bit here, right? I think that helps Gary Patterson a little bit here. The fact, like the way he used it, but still, like, don't use the word. Just, uh, just don't. Yeah. There's no need to anywhere, uh, anytime, and especially in a situation like that. It's just dumb. And at this point, you got to know that you're going to get called out for it. And you should get called out for it. I'm fine with that. That's good. It's a good change. Yeah. Should have happened a long time ago. But uh, you got to know better than that. You got to be smarter than that, Gary Patterson. He's been around long enough to know uh, what can and what can't fly. And uh, that was uh, that was a, a big slip up by him, no doubt. I love breaking news, right, when we're recording. And here's oh, some breaking yeah. news. Iowa State's AD's Jamie Pollard sent a note to his fans saying Big 12 play is expected to begin on September 26th. Now, we talked about this a little bit earlier. It looks like Chip Brown's report of 247 Sports is correct. That means OU Baylor, Texas, Kansas State would start on September 26th. That means Texas UTEP would be on September 12th. And likely OU Missouri State as and the rest of the conference, their non-conference games would be on September 12th as well. So seemingly... Yeah. It looks like we finally have a kickoff date, and it's hmm. in about thirty-six days now for the for the uh, for the conference and their non-conference games. Love that, love that. Now, is there anything about the non-conference games in that tweet or that letter from Jamie Nothing. Pollard? Yeah, I'm with you. It would make sense for all the non-conference games to take place on the same day or at least that same weekend, right? The weekend of September twelfth. So you've got that built-in by on the nineteenth, and then you can start the league games on the twenty-sixth. But yeah, I am curious uh, when we get that decision. And also, like we're, we're pretty confident in who some of the Big 12 teams are playing in their non-conference schedule, right? Texas, it's not made official, but it seems like it's going to be UTEP. You talked about OU with Missouri State. Uh, my guess is for Kansas, it would be Southern Illinois, who they were scheduled to play on August 29th. But then you go around the rest of the league, right? We talked about this a little bit on Monday, trying to sort of go process of elimination and figure out, okay, who's even left, right? What non-conference games can even be played uh, where the other league has not canceled its non-conference games? So like running down the list, Baylor, and they've got Incarnate Word. They've got Louisiana Tech. Uh, when do we get a decision there? Iowa State, it could be South Dakota. It could be UNLV. Uh, Ball State is still in the mix, I think, for Iowa State, too, and that's the most regionally close game. You know, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, you run down the list of this team of these teams in the league, and you got to figure out, okay, who are they going to play? How are we going to make this work? And then one built-in problem, Tyler, and we touched on this a little bit on Monday, if Texas does keep UTEP on the schedule, what does Texas Tech do? Because their other two non-conference games – uh, one of them against Alabama State, and the SWAC canceled its non-conference games, and the other one was against Arizona. We know the Pac-12 is doing conference only this year. Texas Tech's third non-conference game is at UTEP. So I I don't think Texas and Texas Tech can play UTEP. So you know what is Texas Tech going to do? Uh, they're probably going to have to find a way to, to find another non-conference team to play on September 12th. So still some questions there, but 
it's good that it seems like we finally have a, a start date for league games at least. Yeah, and, and Tech was supposed to go to El Paso, so that's officially off because it has to be a home game. So, yeah, Tech is going to have to find someone someone else to come out to West Texas yeah. and, and play a football game. Uh, in about 15 minutes, the Amway coaches poll is going to be released. How about that? We're going to have a preseason poll to go along with our uh, season that looks to get started in about a month. I, I think people going to complain about preseason polls, Tyler? Is this yes. the year where people stop oh, yeah. complaining about them? Like with the oh. pandemic, we, we're so excited for college football. Can we just for once, for one year? And it kills me every year how mad people get about preseason polls and how bothered people get by preseason polls. Can this be the year where we're just like happy to see these? We're happy to like, of course, you can argue and who should be where and debate. That's fine. I'm not against that, but like, let this happen. This is so oh, great. Paul doesn't even matter. Why the hell are we doing uh, this? Yeah, yeah. No, this should be a, a day of celebration, my man. Like, this is hinting towards they were actually going to at least start a season, right? The, finishing it is a whole different story, maybe a conversation for another day. But, like, at least we're planning on starting a season. I think people should be excited that we're getting preseason polls because uh, I don't know if everybody felt like this was going to happen. I do find it funny that <laughs> it's the coaches poll, and I don't think the coaches really vote on this. I think it's like their SID or somebody else in the building that actually comes up with these rankings. But like you said, whatever, I don't care. It's it's rankings. It's, it's something for us to talk about, getting ready for the season. I think yep. OU will be preseason top 10. Would you bet on Texas being preseason top 15? Oklahoma State being preseason top 15? How do you, how do you think it looks – in this poll outside of uh, OU probably in the top seven or eight? Well, let's start with OU. Uh, I mean, can OU be in the top five here? I mean, I think your top three is, is in some form or fashion, Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. After that, that, that's when the questions sort of start. I mean, some people think OU could be number four. Uh, Oregon's sort of been thrown into that mix. Maybe Georgia could be there as well. Like, do you think Oklahoma is going to be top five on this thing? No, I think that Georgia is going to be number four because they've built in some equity, I guess. Like, well, Georgia's going to be the yeah. second best yeah. team in the SEC, yada, yada, whatever. And I think that Oregon's going to be number five because, again, this is the coaches who supposedly vote on it. I think they look at, well, Oregon uh, won the Rose Bowl last year. They had a great finish to the season. They look good again. We'll put them five. Like, I think the fact of – how bad OU looked the last time we saw them probably keeps them out of the top five in this in this poll. I'd say like six, probably like number six is what I would guess. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, also, what do you do with LSU, right? They lost a ton. True. Both coordinators, 14 NFL draft picks, but they did win the national championship, and they're coming off one of the best, if not the best seasons in the history of the sport. So what do you do with them? Uh, yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I mean, I think Oklahoma could be in the top five, but they'll probably be six or seven would be my guess. Now going on to the rest of the league to answer your original question, I think Texas will be in the top 15. Uh, people will lose their minds at that. And <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. they were seven and five in the regular season last year, so I don't blame you. And it's same song and dance, right? We've seen it uh, a bunch over the last decade where Texas starts the year ranked and and they end up unranked, and they're usually unranked pretty early in the season and then stay unranked for the rest of the season. So I would expect some criticism to come with that. But, yeah, if I had to guess, if I had to predict where Texas is going to be, I would say in the 13 to 15 range. Uh, in terms of Oklahoma State, look, 
The Big 12 media picked Oklahoma State over Texas, so you would think that maybe the Cowboys will be a couple of slots ahead of Texas, but my guess is they're going to be a few spots behind Texas. I would say in the maybe 16 to 18 range yeah. for the Cowboys. To me, those are the only three like locks to be ranked in this thing. And I, like, I, I wouldn't be stunned if Oklahoma State is unranked in this thing. They should be. They definitely should be. But like for me, maybe there's two and three quarters of locks that I fully expect to be in this thing. The question is, does Iowa State make the cut? Right, maybe Baylor because they're coming off such a good year, but obviously they lost so much talent and they've got a new head coach and a ton to replace there in Waco. But yeah, my question is like the over under I would put on this thing is, is three and a half. Right, does the Big Twelve get that fourth team in this thing? I don't think I'd be shocked really either way. Three and a half is the number if you're going to do an over under on it because oh, you'll be in it, Texas and OSU. Iowa State is really the question here, and if Iowa State is in it, they're either going to be ranked. 23rd, 24th, or 25th. I say that they're ranked 24th on this list, okay. and the over hits on that, and we have four Big 12 teams in the – which is going to be sickening because the SEC is going to have like four teams in the top 12 or something like that. Yeah. But I, I, I think I think Iowa State just sneaks in, and the conference has four teams in the top 25. I'll go with okay. the over. I like that pick, being optimistic, being confident. I, I think Iowa State should be in the mix this year. I, I don't think I'm as high on them as a lot of folks are, but man, Matt Campbell has done a phenomenal job there. Brock Purdy's an NFL quarterback, potential first-round pick uh, in the NFL. Brees Hall, really, really talented running back. Their defense has been ridiculous over the last few years, always one of the best in the conference. I know Iowa State got smacked. You talk about the last time we saw Oklahoma, right, getting blasted by LSU in the playoff. Last time we saw Iowa State wasn't any better. In the Camping World Bowl, they got just shellacked by Notre Dame. That that was a tough matchup. Notre Dame was really, really good, and at times they looked like they could have been a top four or five team in college football last year. Uh, maybe that plays a part in this thing. And we talked about how bad the Big 12 looked in bowl season last year, right? What was this league? One in five in bowl games last year with Texas yeah. getting the only win. Uh, maybe that stuff factors in, but I kind of like that 24 pick for Iowa State. I, I could see them there, and I think they should be – uh, at the back end of the top 25 going into the year. I just wish I could figure them out because they'll string together like three nice wins in a row. I'm like, okay, Brock Purdy's playing really well. Matt Campbell, I think, is a hell of a coach. I think Heacock does a really good job as their defensive coordinator. But yep. anytime they like play a big game, they get their ass kicked. I remember it was what, two? Yeah, it was like two years ago, 2018 season. And it's like the biggest Iowa State game in regular season history. Here we go. They're going down to Austin, Texas. Hell, hmm. 75% of their fan base goes down there, and they scored like 10 points. And, yeah. you know, we're, we're, we're very competitive. So it's like when Iowa State gets into a big game situation, one that they're supposed to win or a nice bowl game, whatever, it's like they fold big time. And it's strange because I think that they're a tough football team with a tough-minded head coach and staff, but – yeah, Notre Dame, Washington State in the Alamo Bowl. I just, it's, I, I don't know. It's like if they win a big game, they're not supposed to. Oklahoma 2017, TCU 2017. But if they're expected to compete with somebody good, I mean, good luck getting Iowa State to do that. Yeah, that's sort of the next step for that program, right? I mean, Matt Campbell has put together the best three-year run they've ever had since being a part of this league and one of the best three-year runs they've ever had in school history. Like the fact that, 
we're talking about them and people are talking about them as a potential contender to win the Big 12 is just crazy. And it shows how good of a job that Matt Campbell has done up there uh, in his short time in Ames. You know, I, I, I'm kind of with you, but that's just the next step for Iowa State, right? Can they can they win those games? And last year, God, they played Oklahoma really close, right? I mean, oh, drop my mic here. Uh, they were down big going into the fourth quarter, but the huge comeback. They go for two in the win. They they don't get it, obviously. And Oklahoma holds on for that one point victory. They've got to find a way to just take that next step. Maybe this is the year. Uh, Brock Purdy, once again, really, really talented. They've got some good pieces there, but you're right. I mean, at some point, Iowa State needs to go from, hey, seven or eight wins for Iowa State. That's awesome. That's really cool. And the fact that they're in the top half of the Big 12, that's great. That never happens with Iowa State. But they've got to get to that, all right, like when are you guys going to actually contend or is this sort of the peak? Like is this the the top of the mountaintop for Iowa State? Is this just what you guys, the best you guys can be? You're in Dallas uh, on vacation for the next few days. Are you going to like maybe head down to the Cotton Bowl this afternoon and take a selfie in front of the giant marquee there at the 50-yard line? Oh, See yourself man. Are they going to let me in? Are they going to let me in? Can I go there? Can I go anywhere right now? Like it's, <laughs> The fact that I'm taking a vacation in Dallas, and I love Dallas. I grew up here. Uh, I love this city. But the fact that like my big off-season summer vacation is a three-hour drive away from where I actually work is uh, – it's just disappointing, man. It's a sign of the times, you know. I know they have planes and people are flying places, and I just uh, I didn't want to mess with that. I didn't want a chance. It's still going into the station every day down in Austin, so it's like I'm not I'm not putting myself in harm's way. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's weird, man. It's it's going to be weird not having a state fair of Texas and potentially not having fans at uh, at the Red River Shootout this year will be nuts. But to answer your question. Uh, no, I don't. I don't think I'm going to voluntarily go to the Cotton Bowl with uh, with nothing going on this year. I got my Cotton Bowl fix on January first. I'll be honest. Going to the Winter okay. Classic, the Stars uh, outdoor oh, yeah, hockey game right. against the yeah. oh, badass. So that was uh, that was a good memory of the Cotton Bowl. And if that's my only time this year, that will suck. But at least uh, I did get to go and get some pictures taken there in 2020. Feels like did two I, years ago. Did I see you tweet out that you were at? pecan lodge yesterday and if that's true if you were i mean can we all agree i don't know i've never been to franklin's before in austin what what's the best barbecue restaurant in the conference then because i i would consider mm. pecan lodge big you know big 12 area like whatever sure. i mean it's franklin's maybe it's overrated if you live in austin i don't know but pecan lodge has got to be in consideration here it's up there man it's really really good and i got lucky yesterday there was no wait when I went, which is always nice when it happens. It's rare that it happens, but uh, it was great. Uh, Man, Franklin is special. It really is. Like that's my favorite barbecue spot in Austin. I haven't been to every big 12 city, let alone tried barbecue at every big 12 city. Now I am from Kansas city originally from Overland park, Kansas, which is uh, a little bit more than half an hour away from Lawrence. So not far from KU. So if you're throwing Kansas city in the mix as a big 12 city, and I guess, hey, they play the basketball tournament there every year, so maybe you can. Then you've got some spots in KC that would uh, that would like to have a word with uh, with Franklin and with Pecan Lodge. I call it Pecan, by the way. It pisses people off, Tyler, but that's uh, that's what it is to me. There's no O. It's uh, it's Pecan. There's no O in in that word. I don't. Where's where's the on coming from? It's Pecan. Fair point. But well, actually, uh, I don't know. What about you? Is there some? Is there some in Oklahoma? Some in Norman? 
So it's still water. I mean, there's got to be good barbecue up there, right? It's uh, it's close uh, to work. Okay. Yeah, there's like a raised barbecue in Norman. Like he used to play at OU. Um, it's good, but I'm not gonna say that it's Q39 or that it slaps in Kansas City or anything like that. Stillwater is all about Eskimo Joes, and I don't know how no. they've done it, but they've perfected the cheese fry. Wow, what a what a food group right there to perfect uh, if you're going to perfect anything. The, uh, but Eskimo Joe's might be the most recognizable restaurant in any college town in this conference. Um, I yep. love – maybe my favorite restaurant in the Big 12 just might be Free State Brewery in Lawrence, Kansas. Every time I go to Lawrence, I have to go there. Dude, that beer is good, but that the food that they have there is ungodly, unbelievable. And I've never been to Ames or Morgantown. It's the only two – towns and the conferences that I haven't been to, but um, I would love at some point next week to discuss what your favorite road trip in the conferences. I can tell you my least favorite and it's Waco, Texas, because there is absolutely nothing to do in Waco, <laughs> Texas, but picking the favorite is a little bit tougher. Yeah, we should do that. I'm down future episode, maybe talk food too. like go put it up to the people and say, Hey, what are the best restaurants? What are the best like must have meals uh, in each Big 12 town, and then definitely for for the road trip too. I'm uh, I'm in on that. I'm in on that right now. I'm trying to think off the top of the head. Now Waco, Waco doesn't do a whole lot for me. Now the best part living in Austin is it's a day trip. It's an hour and a half, yeah. and then I'm back home, so I can get in right before kickoff and then get out right after kickoff, and I don't even have to pretend like I want to spend uh, a whole lot of time in Waco. I will say there's a place called Health Camp. I actually got it. It's it's irony. It's uh it's actually like burgers and shakes and just so much grease, but they call it Health Camp. Oh. My favorite restaurant in the city, one of my favorite burger shake places in the state of Texas. I got it on my way from Austin to Dallas this past weekend when I came up here for the vacation. So, they do have uh they do have some food spots uh in Waco that are that are worth trying, but that's a good conversation, good topic for for a future show, Tyler, as we uh, sort of wrap up today's episode, man. I think we hit just about everything we wanted to hit, yeah? Yeah, we, we did. Even the coaches poll that's going to come out in just over one minute. Uh, hopefully we see a for-sure start date for the Big 12 and a drawn-up conference schedule by the time we join you next week. But that's exactly when we'll talk to you next. For Brad Kellner, I'm Tyler McComas. It's in defense of the Big 12 right here on the Landry Football Podcast Network. Network. We'll talk to you next week. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.